You're like, we had you as a, I'm not that girl, Alphabet. <laughs> you are a wonderful Alphabet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're wonderful. Oh, you had the, that's a better reference. I couldn't come up with a good joke fast enough. Well done, well done. <laughs> Thank you, Nadia. My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. We're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. I am so jealous of the fact that you have a shaved head because I spend 60% of every interview like making sure my hair looks okay because I never know if it's going to end up like in a video. There have been a couple moments when like I was like making a social acid or something and I'm like, oh, Kevin's hair is like a little wild tonight. <laughs> it's a little, yeah. It, but so I've been- But this ju- is the first one I've done with no mustache. Yes. New era. Which like, guys, I'm sorry that the now- key art for our podcast isn't up to date. Neither of us look anything like that at this point. Let's introduce today's guest and then I have a fun story to tell. Okay. I feel like you should do it because this okay. this is your Jenna Lee Green. There's been a real special energy for you. That's, oh my God. Okay. Yeah, that's true. She's one of my personal favorites. I mean, me too. I didn't mean yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, she's one of my personal favorites and one that we both agree on that uh, I don't think we talk about enough in the mm-hmm. Wicked fandom and I don't understand why. We did talk about her in our pilot episode, though. We sure did. There's your first clue, children. This guest was on Fox's Mad TV from 2003 to 2009, and then off and on in the years following. Made her Broadway debut in Martin Short, Fame Becomes Me. Love it. Starred in the iconic movies, <laughs> Meet the Spartans and mm-hmm. Disaster Movie, which mm-hmm. I say iconic because I feel like they really define my like middle school era. Oh yeah, that whole genre of like spoof movies. Kind of came and went, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like we don't get those anymore. Yeah. But we had like four a year <laughs> in like our middle school, high school years. Yeah. <laughs> then... She went on to star in Roundabout Theater Companies, The People in the Picture. Shout out to Roundabout Theater Company. <laughs> and is also a co-host on the podcast, The Neighborhood Listen. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, we're talking to Nicole Parker. Oh, 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 we're talking to Nicole Parker. I am so excited. I'm really excited too. I love her her podcast, The Neighborhood Listen. It is so funny. If you don't listen to it, you definitely should, because I feel like everybody listening to our podcast is very familiar with her as a singer and an alphabet and a theater queen. Um, Mm -hmm. But her podcast is such a good showcase for her skills as a sketch queen and an improv artist. She has parallel careers, mama. Funny. I So I have not seen Nicole as alphabet, but I saw her live in concert in Honolulu, Hawaii, at a Wicked Divas concert. Oh my God. Do you remember those? Long story, I was a co-chair on, there's no carnivals really in Hawaii. So the two private schools on my island would put on a huge, like they called it fairs every year. And it was like- Like at the end of Greece? Actually, yeah, that was like my high school. And it was a big deal. Cause like, it was the only like carnival situation we would get in Hawaii. Yeah. And I was on the board of my fair. And when you're on the board, you're like there all weekend. Cause you're making sure everything's running and stuff. Yeah. But that weekend, Happened to be the Wicked Divas concert with Nicole Parker. Happened to be. Cut to two months earlier. Quincy's like, what if we did it on... (laughs) Also happened to be Shoshana Bean was performing at some high school like auditorium in Hawaii. Unrelated. The day before. Unrelated. It was just Shoshana Bean and Nicole Parker were both there. Who knew I was getting so much Wicked content live in Hawaii? Yeah. 
But so Saturday night, I ditched the fair to go see Shoshana Bean. And then Sunday night, I had to be like, guys, I'm leaving again to go see a Wicked Divas concert with Nicole Parker. <laughs> and my friends were just like, what's going on? What is this concert that I don't know about? And I was like, no, you guys don't get it. You don't get you it. You don't get it. You don't get it. It's a way of life. And it felt so mature. I was like, I'm going to pop out, go, go to this concert, and then I'll come back to the fair. <laughs> oh, I bet you were feeling your oats. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, fellow board members, but no, I have a prior commitment. <laughs> on this evening yeah and then it was like just really a magical like the fact that i got to see shoshana bean one night and nicole parker the next night is truly amazing that is really cool especially because i know that you were not uh you did not have access to as many experiences like that living i know here's me talking about how i don't have access to theater and then also i saw shoshana and nicole Although, fun fact, I've also seen Lea Salonga in Hawaii. I've seen Sutton Foster in Hawaii. So maybe there is access there. <laughs> <laughs> There's access to concerts there. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have a fun Stuck on SJB. I have a fun little spin on Stuck on SJB for us today. Okay, so we've been doing this bit, Stuck on SJB, for I don't know how many episodes at this point. Whatever. What is this? 15? Episode 15? 15 episodes? And we have failed to bring up falsettos. So I feel like this, our second to last episode in season one proper, now is the time to talk about falsettos. But here's what I want to preface our falsettos discussion with. I personally am a little bugged that I'm breaking down seems to be like I'm breaking down was like the press performance number. It was, it's like the number that we like associate with Stephanie J. Block's performance in falsettos. It's brilliant. It is like a brilliant oh, peak musical theater. Oh, it's peak. gorgeous. However, I feel like that song has stolen all the thunder from the other moments in Stephanie's performance. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to talk about I'm breaking down. It's phenomenal, fantastic vocals there, acting there, comedy masterclass. Amazing. I want to go through and give you three of my like niche vocal moments <gasps> from the show. I just want to say on the record that SJB deserves a Tony for that performance. In my heart, she has it. First moment is in the song, Come to My House. She's calling Brandon Uranowitz on the phone. Uh, Dr. Mandel, Dr. Mandel, vis-a-vis what Marvin did, or rather, has, you must exercise a devil. Mm-hmm. Ooh! Exercise a devil. Tingles down my spine. The musicality. The musicality. Next one. And I never wanted to love you. Oh, uh-huh. this is good, because you love to talk about technique. I feel like we can really see her vocal technique in this one line. I'm everything he wanted. It's time we put it all together. Uh-huh. Our hands were tied. My father crying, Mary, Mary. And you yes. can like, you can see the like training and the way that she's like flipping and she's choosing not to give it a full belt, which I love because would have not been right in the moment. Yes. And I also love in that moment that is such a long wordy phrase and she's it and it is all just the intention is so clear and it's like there's a beginning, a middle and end to it, both like grammatically and musically. Mm-hmm. Mwah, mwah. It's extraordinary. Fantastic. Third and final moment that I want to bring up. Day in Falsetto Land. Mm-hmm. When she comes out in the leotard. Is that a leotard? Yes. <laughs> the leotard, the tights. Marvin's back with Wizard. And the little dance. She, it's phenomenal. It's so good. Remember at the Tonys when she had the Ariana ponytail? Mm-hmm. Do I remember? Um, and then a little as a as a final send-off to this falsettos talk on Stephanie J. Block. Holding to the ground is the song that we should be hyping up. Like, I love I'm Breaking Down, but Holding to the Ground is the moment. 
It's the moment. Like she should have been out around town singing that. She should have been on The View making everybody. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I would love to watch Joy Behar watch. (laughs) (laughs) Holding to the ground. (laughs) A single tear runs down each of their cheeks. Um, But yeah, I just, I feel like we need to talk about falsettos. What I will add to your falsettos story is that um, falsettos was the very first time that I saw Stephanie live. Also me. Yeah. So that was like a big moment for me. And a big part of it was, it was like, I was so excited to finally be seeing her and to be seeing her doing something so exquisitely. In such a role. Exceeded my expectations, which were already set exponentially higher than they should have been. Yeah. Stephanie J. Block was brilliant in Falsettos. I loved that revival of Falsettos. I did too. Oh God, it was so good. It was so good. And what's funny is the first time I saw it, I left the show being like, mm, okay, that was like fine. And then like the next week I started listening to, the, it was before that cast recording was out. I was listening to the original cast recording uh-huh, uh-huh. and I just started like, I noticed I was listening to it like nonstop all day. And then I was like, oh my God, I need to go back because I think I'm obsessed with this now. And then I went back and I was like sobbing. And I was yeah, like, uh-huh. uh-uh. I guess I wasn't in the mood the first time. <laughs> I will say that show is, as as much as I do love it, it is not one that I can just like revisit willy nilly. It's like, I have to be in a place for that show. You have to be in the proper headspace. Crammed between strangers at the Neil Simon was not necessarily the place to, to be, but... That was Cher show. We saw falsettos at... Um... Oh, the Kerr, the Kerr, the Walter Kerr. The Kerr, the Walter Kerr, because the seating is so tight. The leg room, oh. It's hard for us too, because we're tall, Quincy. I know the plight. Sorry to brag maybe, about it, but we're maybe <laughs> that's what they're doing right now during the shutdown is they're renovating all the theaters. <laughs> so there's going to be so much more leg room when we go back. Oh my God. But then prices would be so high. And if we think that they're doing anything in those theaters right now. <laughs> all right, let's get to Nicole. This is I was going to say, I feel like I have an affinity for you because I grew up in Hawaii. Oh, awesome. And it was announced that the Wicked Tour was going to come to Hawaii. And when it was announced, you were like the current lead. And so I was like, oh, Nicole Parker's my alphabet. That's incredible. I was doing all the YouTube searching, all this stuff. And then you left. So sorry. But it's okay that you left because I saw you in the Wicked Divas <laughs> concert. Oh! Oh my God. You know, that really was a twist ending. It did have a happy ending. Yeah. I don't feel like I have to apologize as much to you now. Because <laughs> you left the tour right before Hawaii, right? I did. There was, I believe there was one city before that. I feel like Seattle was right before that. Okay. And I was debating it. And it's kind of like, it was a stupid choice. <laughs> well, I'm glad you saw the concert. <laughs> I did. And I'm glad I got to see you in the concert. You saw a fresher me because it's much easier to sing Defying Gravity like with legs that walk like across the stage and not being green and not being exhausted. And did you sing Defying Gravity that night? I still have the audio. Oh, you <laughs> God bless. Thank you. I appreciate that. But we start every interview by asking, how did Wicked the Musical come into your life as a person? I believe that I was still living in Amsterdam and I knew that the show was happening but I didn't I just didn't hear the music for the longest time and I remember I left Amsterdam and was with my friend Brent in New York I'd like just moved there I was staying on my friend's couch and he was playing me like all the latest soundtracks right he was playing me Eden singing in Brooklyn he was playing me uh. Uh, Wicked and I was like what happened since I left everyone's going ah! like <laughs> I was like that's not what was happening when I left the country like oh my god I have to <laughs> sing like this now like 
And I know a lot of girls have said this, but I, I was also one of the alphabets that was a soprano and trained like mm-hmm. classically when I was, you know, in high school and whatnot, yeah. um, which does build a foundation, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is great. You love it. But I just was like, wow, that's things have ratcheted up a notch. It's uh, <laughs> it's escalated quickly since I left. So I knew of it, but hadn't heard it. And then I was doing a little musical in L.A. and the director of it w- was playing. I think he actually like bought me the CD or the book. He was like, you should read this book and you should play this part and you should listen to it. And I was like, I listened to it. I just thought that's for someone else. Like that's that's ridiculous. Mm. That's it. But so were you belting already? Like were you known as a beltress? Oh yes, yes. And also was in college. Weirdly, you know, okay. there was that. Me and Elizabeth Stanley went to college together. Love that. My dear friend Elizabeth Stanley. And it was like we both were experimenting with belting in, <laughs> in you know college. It was like I think I might try belting. You know, <laughs> that's so funny. But yes, any everything that I did ended up being very much in that world. Mm-hmm. And the musical I was doing at the time was very belty. Anyways, the point is, at the time, there was already the early myth around how hard this role was and how dangerous it was vocally. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of scared me. And then I got this other job on Broadway, the Martin Short Show, mm-hmm. Fame yeah. Becomes Me. And ironically, there was a spoof of Wicked in the show, mm-hmm. which, you know, is the, the joke that Marty dies and he wants to imagine his funeral and maybe top beltresses of the community <laughs> would sing. And yeah, Mark Shaman wrote this very funny Defying Gravity-esque song. Mm-hmm. And I remember when Julia Murney, who's now a great friend, and I know she did your show. She talked about you. Oh, she did. Well, I'm going to talk about her. What do you think about that? <laughs> Um, she came to see the show and I was like mortified. I was like, oh my God, that's an actual alphabet. I was like, oh God, she saw me do a parody. I was just so, I was very much like, uh-huh. um, but Bernie Telsey cast both shows. And there was one time, I don't know, we were doing a put in for maybe a, a standby and we were doing the song and Bernie was in the audience for whatever reason. He was like, you should audition for the real thing. I was like, hey, I, didn't know so, no. um, I just didn't really take it seriously. Yeah. And at the time, here's what's crazy. I still, this is terrible. I still hadn't seen the show. It just uh. didn't work out because like I went right from, I was in New York for a little bit, but then I moved to LA to do Mad TV and it just wasn't in LA uh-huh. uh, for a while yeah. uh, until the sit down production of around 2008, I think yeah. it was. I just hadn't seen it because this was like 2006. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wasn't until I went to see it. I saw Anna Gasteyer play it in Chicago. Uh-huh. I was mm-hmm. seeing her do it. That made me really feel like, oh wait, I can do it because she's right. like me. You know, she has a background in improv and in sketch, and yeah. but she also likes to sing. And, and of course, she played it. She played the humor of Alphaba, but the so that I love how darkly funny she is. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uses humor as many misfits do to sort of make the joke first before any of you do. It's what she does the second she opens her mouth mm-hmm. in the first scene. You know, it makes all the jokes before they do. Right. And so right away, I was like, oh, I, you know, seeing her do this, I feel like I could do this. But that's interesting because I feel like you talk about how you didn't necessarily think that it was a part for you until you had seen Anna Gasteyer do it. But you grew up as like a theater kid. So was it ever like, a, oh, I want to play it in the back of your mind? Yes. I think it was the kind of thing where I was like, well, gosh, I just don't know that I could do that. I would love to. I'm not an idiot. I'm real. It's a real good part. Yeah. <laughs> but it just seemed, it seemed so huge. You know, it's mm-hmm. hard to wrap your head around it. It, it's, it felt scary. Like I, there was, I don't know, especially earlier on, there was just this, well, I mean, there still the is, lore. but especially early on this, yeah, there's a lore around yeah. it. And then after that, I became obsessed. Like after that, it was, I'm singing it in the shower. I'm singing it in my car. I'm looking up, you know, anything I can at yeah. work. Cause I really never thought it was a reality. So I kind of dove too deep as if I was a super fan. Unfortunately learned a lot about the fan culture. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because, so you kind of turned into a fan before you were like in the show. Definitely. Definitely. Because I, you know, I, 
it felt so far away from me. And and that's weird because I had already done the Martin Short show. It was very strange to have become a fan. <laughs> and then I don't know when it was. I guess it would have been 2008, the summer of 2008, when they actually were in L.A. And they said, you know, come in. I was like on a houseboat trip. I was like on a jet ski in the middle of like the water bobbing up and down, like checking my messages. I was like, what? Alphaba, I got to get home. You know, it was ridiculous. Wait, yeah. So let's walk us through your audition process. I, it's actually not as it's I know some are so long and involved uh-huh. and, and mine was not instant, but it was it was just surprising. That's mm-hmm. all I can say about my experience was surprising. Yes. Yeah, so I left the houseboat <laughs> and I had a good friend from high school was the sort of the moderator or like the monitor mm-hmm. inside. And that was really kind of fun because it was just nice to see a friendly face because I was pretty nervous. But mm-hmm. I think it is, there's something different to auditioning, not like in New York City, mm-hmm. right? Anytime you audition in LA for a musical, it's very, very weird. It's like for me, because at this point I had lived in LA for so long, flying to New York, sleeping on someone's couch or trying to stay in a hotel room and then getting ready. And then it all feels much more, this time I got up in my own home. I, I just drove instead of right. worried about the subway, you know? So I think that helped. I was just a little relaxed. Um, I did the mm-hmm. wizard and I in like two scenes and defying gravity. And I felt like it went great. And at the time, I knew that they were starting a San Francisco uh, sit down, I think. And I knew that they were starting a second national tour. And mm-hmm. I truly was like, this will be great. I know how it works. I know that there's a farm system. You do understudy, standby, then you maybe do the tour. So it wasn't made clear to you like what you were going in for. Oh, no. And the thing is, it never is. Well, maybe it is. To me, it it wasn't. But I think a lot of times, it just depends on the slots that are available, right? Mm -hmm. At this time, there were many available. And I never imagined anything but, oh, God, it'd be so fun to get the understudy and and then Uh work your way up because I knew I was leaving mad tv and i was like this is great i'll just go on the road or i'll do whatever if i could even just get the understudy part that'd be so cool because i know that's how it's done until you nicole (laughs) i would definitely like to do it the other way around if i had my choice but it was a shock it was a shock it really was i don't say that as a brag i say that with terror like oh my god wait what Uh, because yeah so i auditioned in august my friend texted me from the room he was like you did really good i was like oh great okay and then there was just nothing until around october and by october I was doing a little part in this movie, Funny People, with Seth Rogen and mm. Adam Sandler by Judd Apatow. Please don't yeah, look yeah. it up. It's what I do is very embarrassing. <laughs> in it. Um, anyways, it's a long story. The point is, the night before my callback in New York, I was in a pool, like in my underwear with Seth Rogen at a movie set in Malibu at some house. And it's like the minutes were just ticking away. And I'm like rehearsing Defying Gravity in the scene in my little tiny trailer. Oh my and I'm God. telling the... You know, the hair and makeup people like, I'm going to New York to audition for Broadway. You know? Broadway's calling. And they're like, that's so exciting. And I'm just thinking, this is ridiculous that this is how it's happening because you want to feel like prepared. I was taking yeah. a red eye, you know. Right. So we shot so late. <laughs> it was so cold and so tired the whole night. And so I flew at night. And the thing is, I got there. They picked me up. I go to a hotel. I run upstairs with the thought that I would have some time to rest. And I I look, they're they're sending a car. I have like 10 minutes. I'm like, and at that point, I know a lot of girls had said it almost helps to be either, not that you don't care, but for me, it was being distracted Mm -hmm. and also just giving up control that I I laughed to myself. I was like, well, you know what? I can't expect anything more of myself right now. This is ridiculous. I haven't slept. You know, they know that I took a red eye. I don't even have time to warm up. But that was just one of those adrenaline auditions because 
it was just, you know, it was laughable. I was like, this yeah. is not how I would like to prepare for an Alphaba audition. Um, and so I was there. It was Stephen Remus. It was Joe Montello. And I did Wizard and I and like a scene. Mm-hmm. And then he said, thank you. And I don't know what possessed me, but I honestly, and I wasn't being, trying to be bossy. I, yeah. I just said, oh, notifying gravity. Like I was shocked. I was like, <laughs> I just flew thousands of miles. And this is like the shot of all shots. I'm not going to sing it back. This might be the only time I get to sing notifying gravity in a fancy setting. It just seemed crazy to me that they would, you know, yeah. and I, it's not like I thought it would make or break. I was just like, oh, I want to do all the things that I was For told you. I was supposed to. Right, right, right. Which, again, I just don't think I was thinking. It just came out uh-huh. of my mouth, you know? And as if, like, it had never occurred to him, Joe went, oh, yeah, yeah, let's hear that one. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, the big one. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Like, oh, that's right. And was this your first major Broadway musical audition? Or had you gone in for, like, leading musical roles? It's a good question. No, there had been a few others i remember and i did several red eyes because i was always coming from la yeah so you were gunning for broadway i definitely knew i wanted to do that again after doing fame becomes me i was like this is amazing so Uh yeah after that i tried out like audition for nine to five uh, (sighs) as much as i could i flew out there and you know i would do okay and i'd make it to a certain point but it just i understood it's like well i'm dividing my life right now and i don't live in new york and i understand it's best to be in the city and Mm-hmm. I just know that had been the choice I made, you know, that I want to do two things at the same time. Yeah. So anyways, I think it was like a week. <laughs> yes, I definitely will never forget when they call me and we're like, we have good news. And I was just like, oh, San Francisco, Broadway. I was like, come again? I was like, no, no, well, there must be some mistake because that that's that's too much. Uh-huh. I was proud of myself. I was like, wow, I must have did, did good enough. You know, I must yeah. have been I, I I guess I did a great job. There was a moment of like, yeah. wow. So it was thrilling. You know, mm-hmm. it, because it was such a surprise, right? Yeah. It was just like, oh my God, what? And then it was like, oh my God, what? That That's basically how it went. You know? <laughs> and I think it was also because of the fact that everyone had been used to how it had worked. People were like, whoa, oh, you must be good. And I was like, what? Oh, why? Because this has never been done. Before. Oh, shit. Like it was, you yeah. know, their, their reaction scared me. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know if I am good enough. Did you know that you were the first one or did people communicate that to you? Yes, because, you know, I had looked it up right. and I knew... <laughs> I knew too much. I knew too much. <laughs> I was the witch who knew too much. It really, really, did, it really, really uh, backfired on me. But that's got to add to the pressure, like knowing the fan culture of it all. Oh, ridiculous. Like, I could go back in time and be like, stop, stop looking up anything. Stop right now. I can't tell you why, but just stop. Please stop. <laughs> and the thing is, I would have found out anyway, because I did get told this at the time, because it was still, before, there was no Hamilton. There was no Book of Mormon. There was no, this was one of the big, yeah. and people did say to me early on, oh, I wanted so-and-so and I'm getting used to you, but this was a disappointment uh... in this, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for even fan letters to say that. Cause you think those are safe to open. Right. Ugh, <laughs> so, really? And it's like, oh, I guess, oh, I guess people are talking about, mm, Okay. Well, and it's also like a perfect kind of storm of you're the first woman to do it without having done it prior. And you also- Ever, ever. Yeah. And you like also came from TV, quote unquote. So it's Which like- Which is not a thing. We're not going to call Mad TV TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's, there's there's no love lost there. And I'm not proud of a lot of things that went on. Let me just say. There's just mm. a lot of things. When you look back at it, I mean, God, all the- I mean, I'll just say sure. it here. I was like, Britney Spears stuff. It's like, oh man, some mm-hmm. of that stuff was- There's so many things. I'm like, oh, uh, no. I mean, I, there's like no excuse for it anyways mm-hmm. we're gonna get off on a tangent yeah. um but actually it, it kind of ties into it because it's interesting having been then in, in a position where you get criticism that you're aware of i'd never had that before yeah mm-hmm. um 
It gives you immediately more empathy when the way that you look at people and the way that you look at people in this industry, the way that you look at other artists, you know, um, mm -hmm. like the, it changed the way I watched shows, live shows, mm -hmm. like where sometimes, you know, it seems like someone's struggling, uh, you know, some people might react like, oh, this is such a, yeah. and I just lean in and go, what's going on? She must be working through something. What is, I, is she okay? Does she need something? You become very empathetic doing yeah. Yeah. Um, alpha I think <laughs> but yes quote unquote yes who the hell was I which is funny because I was like I just I did Broadway a couple years ago you guys I danced I was such a nerd people made so much musicals were cool when I was into them yeah I, I didn't go to football games at college because I stayed in the laundry room to sing Aladdin with my friend because the acoustics were great and no yeah. one was there to bother us like that's me did you feel like you had something to prove because that perception was kind of out there yes but not until I got there like not right, until right. I mean I was intimidated before I got there sure but i was still mostly excited i was like this will be okay right right anyone, anyone? um <laughs> dr dillman <laughs> and also you know i will say there were some people you know even involved the, the people there are amazing they're just amazing amazing people yeah and and so i don't think they meant anything when this was said to me but it was like oh we're so surprised you know we, you were so prepared and you showed up and you know your lines i'm like get i'm a theater nerd like this is <laughs> Because they would pretend I'm a TV. I'm like, I'm not. That was an accident. I mean, it's not like I didn't want to do comedy as well, but that was yeah. an accident. Right, it right. was a, so many of these things just seem like <laughs> getting off on Broadway seemed like an accident too. <laughs> and some people thought it was. Uh, no, but we'll get to the tour. The tour mm -hmm. was just such a lovely, beautiful, healing bookend, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and a finishing of the chapter for me. Um, but it's not like Broadway was all horrible. The cast was incredible. I met one of my best friends, Ali Mazi. You know, we mm -hmm. grew up 15 minutes from each other. I'm one of those uh, Orange County alphabas. It's like mm -hmm. Stephanie Block and Eden Espinosa and yeah. Ali and yeah, Aaron yeah. Mackey and me and something in the water. Yeah. Uh, and the experience was, you know, amazing and meeting fans and receiving letters that are just so heartfelt in, in what the character means to them and all of that. I don't mean to di diminish that by talking mm -hmm. about my feelings. No, um, no, of course But not. it's also no joke just in terms of the pressure of it and the uniquely strange situation that I found myself in. At the time, it was just such a, like, record scratch. Like, what? Yeah. You know, for people <laughs> right. who were used to it and were paying attention. But I just didn't, it was, there's no way to... Um, to step on that stage and, and be what everyone needs you to be. And that is a lot of pressure because at the time I'm like, I know people waited a year for, for these tickets. Right, I know right. that they have. So that's incredible pressure. But you you don't want to walk on a stage as a gigantic singing apology, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and also I always say it's like you're walking across the stage with like the seven other alphabas behind you, you know, and they're watching how you and they would tell you how you use your suitcase differently than so and so. Or you would mm -hmm. do a riff that was like so you're just you're walking in literally people's shoes. Being somebody whose brain is attuned to impersonations, like, did any of that affect you while you were learning the show? No, none of those people I could ever hope to sell. They're so, I mean, Interesting. It, for me, it, it, they became like actual, like, living legends to me. So, I mean, I think I've, now I've met almost every, I've actually never met Adina, which is kind of weird, but mm. everyone else I know pretty well, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, to me, I just like revered them. I knew I couldn't try. And I really, really wanted to do my own version. And I had a very clear idea in my head of what I wanted to do. So mm. I didn't worry about that because I just was like, I can't be them, you know? Right, um, right, right. I didn't know, actually, I didn't know how much I was going to be, people were going to want me to be them or were going to compare me to them quite as much as they did. And I, and I, again, I understand it. And I understand the love for the show and I understand they feel so close to it. That's why they feel like they can tell you anything, you yeah. know? That's why I did that sketch, the alpha, you know? Yeah. The, oh my um, God, it's so good. <laughs> the press conference 
because I also thought, you know, yeah, yeah, athletes get paid billions of dollars, which maybe makes it easier, but they still have to answer some really harsh questions after such defeat. And we don't have wins and lose, you know, there's no score at the end of a show, although I'm sure some fans would keep scoring. I'm sure there are some. But as an actor, you, of course, give yourself a grade and you count shows as wins and losses. And it just, it would be the one thing that would make me kind of feel better at the end of the night. I'm like, well, at least I don't have to go give a press conference for 20 (laughs) minutes and ask why I screwed up the end of that song or, you know. Yeah. Do you get to a point in your run, though, where you're able to kind of drown that out or is that like therapy after you finish your contract yeah but i honestly think it was easier to do it on tour than on on broadway okay honestly at the time that i was there it still just felt very intense it felt very the pressure felt very high now like near the end i'd say you know i felt like i knew my show and i i knew what i was doing for me but when i left in my head i was like i gotta do that again because i i was like that was not that was not i'm not finished (laughs) you know so you knew the book wasn't closed Oh, I definitely knew the book wasn't closed. Yes, for sure. Tell us about going from Broadway to tour, because that's kind of the opposite journey that anyone before you had taken. Yes, it is. And the the journey from tour to Broadway is what I recommend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you feel you had left to do that you were kind of like, oh, I got to do this again. I got to... First of all, listen, I'll just tell you, it, it sums it up in what Allie said to me, because she was doing the tour at the time, and we were had been talking, and we'd been doing some concerts together, and she was like, I think I know... The Elfie's leaving. Uh, she's like, we should, we should, you know, just ask, ask if you could do it again. See if maybe that's, you know, have them ask. And she's like, but this time, buddy, you got to have fun. <laughs> First of all, your Ali Mozzie impersonation was spot on. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> and I became like a different person. All of a sudden, like 40% more of me came back and people were like, oh, this is who you are. I'm like, yeah, I'm, that can be fun. <laughs> not just like walking around all the time. Like, yeah. I was not good today. <laughs> no. You know, I was like, well, that's, that's not me. I don't want to be like that. So Ali summed it up perfectly, which was like, partially it was to enjoy the actual ride of yeah. doing it, mm-hmm. but also to throw away all that caring because that's what I knew was when, that's what I can hear in my voice. I'm like, ah, oh, she sounds scared. Like, you mm-hmm. know, as, and, and I also had a different vocal voice coach at that point. And, you know, we kind of changed my voice and opened up a whole lot of extra things. And, and that was happening prior to it. And I was like, oh, man, I love to get back into that stuff and try it again. Yeah, because you were taking options on tour. <laughs> my, my tour experience is so different from Broadway. There's like, it was for me. And it was for, mm-hmm. you know, friends and family who could come see it that couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for people on in towns who are so happy for it to come to their th- stage and their theater and that the crowds are amazing not that they aren't in New York but there's a different energy you know right. and while the tour was hard in its own way it's very hard to like move every four weeks and you just think oh you know how am I getting because your dresser doesn't move with you and that's a whole thing to train the dresser for alpha because it's like a major major yeah job Ooh. and you just think oh I love my dresser from the last town I can't change it and then that same four weeks later you're like no but I love this yeah. <laughs> and I love this and then the sound is dialed in and I've got the climate dialed in and I've got the mm. you know it's just constantly, and I was older. I was three years older, and it really was like I felt like it was like the ensemble doing like high kicks in the hallway. And I was like, "Mama needs to sleep. I can't stay out with you guys." And then like my humidifier and my fifteen like vitamins, and you know. And so yeah, the tour was just uh, it was just pure joy. Okay, wait. So you reached out to ask to go back on the tour? Or- yeah, I mean, not me personally. I mean, you know, it was like my yeah, yeah, people yeah. asked. We just <laughs> we just at, you know looked into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I feel very lucky. I, I, uh, I was, I was going to maybe extend in New York and, you know, the option was there too, which I, again, felt 
especially at the end of that journey, I was like, okay, thank God. Like they were happy with what I did. It's got to um, feel validating. It was validating. And, and then, but it was like, okay, I, I really think I need to just go <laughs> lay down, like go in a tiny corner for like a couple months and just get myself back. But, you know, and Joe was great. He was like, you're, you know, you're, you're welcome. He made me feel very welcome here and was like, you know, hopefully down the road. I, I think the reason why that's why I felt okay asking was because that's kind of how he had left it. Like, there, you know, you can. Got it maybe hopefully come back or we, you know, we were happy with what you did. Okay. So before we move into no good deed, yes, Kevin and I like to play a game with each of our alphabets mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. we have a theory that each alphabet. Oh yes. I feel like I heard, I feel okay. like, well, I listened to, I listened to you guys mm, uh, thank to you. understand what this podcast is about. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Resonates with one of the three big songs, Wizard and I Define Gravity and No Good Deed. Mm. And that can ultimately mean whatever you want it to mean. I mm-hmm. like to think that it means like it informs that person's alphabet, like that song and that energy informs their character. Nice. We should let you know that we call this game Alpha Bowl and we played it in our pilot episode and we did pull your name out of a bowl and we both chose what we thought you were so i'm interested to see if it lines up oh well it's a two-parter because i think on broadway i was a defying gravity alphabet and on tour i was a no good deed alphabet i love that journey for you i disappointed you (laughs) uh no i'm pretty sure i said you were defying gravity alphabet i think yeah i think we agreed Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yay. Well, that's fun. We can't, I mean, But yeah. I love having just heard your whole mental journey with the show. It, it really tracks that you were first a Defying Gravity. I hope you don't feel pressured to say No Good Deed because we have you on for the No Good Deed episode. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel. Uh, no, I'm not pressured about that. Okay. <laughs> it's such a badass song and you just want to feel like it kicked its ass, you know? Uh-huh. And I, I never quite felt like that. And then on tour, I just had so much fun with it and, and just and loved it, loved that song. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed No Good Deed. And also, like, I think Jackie was mentioning this because I saw on your Instagram mm. that, yes, the the run. The and run. I a-, a lot of the alphabets have mentioned the, like, No Good Deed run. Can you be the alphabet to walk us through on Broadway what is happening from the time you run off after the catfight scene to the time you come up through the trap door? Yeah, it's actually very similar to Defying Gravity. It's basically the same run. Okay. So you run off. Um, the dresser is waiting like a someone on the side of a marathon, you know, with like your water. And yes, you you run around upstage left where there's this incredibly steep um, Amsterdam like uh, staircase. And you go down. And then it is this sort of bizarre pattern of like down and then to the left and then to the right and then another bit to the left. And then you truly run through the orchestra. Hi, hi. You know, and they're just playing. And then for Define Gravity, it's way over to the left where you wait. But for No Good Deed, it's right by the conductor uh, on Broadway, if I remember correctly. That would make sense, yeah. With the amazing part about it is like when you're being told like this is like your job all these times and you're like, wow, this is my job. I'm getting locked into a closet and there's like a man in silver. And this is my job. This is my job. I'm an adult. This is my job. And that's when the times, because you have to pick your uh, skirt up underneath your uh, arm and bunch it up so that it doesn't get caught on anything going up uh, on the Uh, trap door. mm -hmm. And you have to hunch over because there's really no room for you to stand up fully, right? Because to to wait. Are you also out of breath too while you're hunching? Correct. So it looks something like, you know, you're running, you're running, you're running, you're bunching the thing and then (laughs) just that and then, ah, you know. Yeah. Whereas on tour, it's the easiest thing in the world. Smoke a cigarette. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what? It could have been like that the whole time? (laughs) 
and going off of your uh, the video you have of the kind of post-show, post-game interview, some guests say that no good deed can feel like a victory lap when you've had a really great show, and it can feel like a final stretch when it's not been so great a show. Can oh, you talk God. to that at all? Oh, that's so true. I mean, Alphabet prepares you for a lot in life. It, it, the gift is it makes a lot of things easier. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. all the times in my life I've been like, well not no good deed like on a second day so show day you know you've done funny girl too i did do funny girl i don't know three years after i did the tour and it was absolutely still not as hard because the difference is you you get to be funny you know you get to have these lighter moments it's not just everyone on stage going "Ah, oh you know and like you're not yelling the whole time or crying or angry or you know and that takes a toll on you that takes a toll too is it's just in terms of what you're showing up to do and what you're gearing yourself up to do um and doing this living in a pandemic being the primary caretaker of a toddler, I honestly equate it to to a two-show day of Alphabet because I wake up in the morning, every part of me hurts. It's the exact same thing. And I'm like, I can't possibly, the way I would wake up on tour and just be like, oh my God, I, how am I going to be standing on stage green singing Wizard and I in like three hours? How is that going to happen? And it's yeah, the same yeah. thing of like, how am I going to watch him for like f- five hours until he falls asleep? And and so like the morning is Wizard and I, and then he goes on the nap and that's kind of like, I'm not that girl. Oh my I might like break. And then, you know, he wakes up and then it's kind of a little kind of exciting and busy and it's defying gravity and then but but evening is feeding him and it's he's tired and it's stressful and it's no good deed and sometimes no good deed lasts an hour it's a very yeah. long no good deed and then there's a, there's a, a a lovely calm that always comes over the theater in for good it's my favorite everyone's kind of sitting backstage you know a couple dressers are doing things that's when some people have conversations the one time they catch up with that one person you can just feel the whole theater go and it's just, it feels yeah. so good. It's just like mm-hmm. a nice stretch. And that's when I'm like reading stories to him, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then like the last thing I have to do is clean up the bathtub. And I'm like, that's just getting my alphabet black lingerie, you know, for just popping up <laughs> and going, Fiero. Um, so really like it, th- no good deed absolutely falls into that section of, Oh God, here we go. Like, here we yeah. go. And, and, uh, and yes, it can, it can be such a slog. And then when you are having like a kick-ass night, it's like, yeah, like, you know, and it does feel late in the game and it does feel like a bridge too far sometimes. You're like, oh my God, this again. In fact, the uh, the circular, this is how much it's ingrained in my head is that the circular, there's four, um, I don't know what they call them. They call them stovetops, I think. It looks I know like what you're talking about. Yeah, on, yeah. The, on the stage. It's like how you know where to stand for the fan and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's things on our street out front that look similar to that. And my husband and I refer to them as the no good deed potholes. And oh if I see shapes like that, I'm just like, oh, God, my cape. I have to get it. It's so, <laughs> you know, it's so And because uh, that song, a lot of times it is just get to A, get to point B, get to you're just getting to these places. Mm-hmm. I can share you what my no good deed story is when things yeah, are wrong. Please. I do my whole run. I'm, I'm truly crouching, you know, and just very calmly, the dresser's like, uh, the uh, trapdoor is stuck. So, <gasps> and, and we've never dis- you discuss what happens in Defying Gravity. I was going to say. You're not going to fly. No one discussed what happens when you're not going to rise in, in no good deed. That's, you know. Oh my God. And so they were so calm. She's like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're just going to walk down the stairs. And now, by, by the way, the song has already started. Yeah. So, I should already be doing Fiero. So now the stage is full of smoke and the monkeys are probably like, I don't know, like Still improvising, giving you some monkey <laughs> modern dance realness. And they're like, well, we're going to walk over to the Defying Gravity stairs. Mm-hmm. And so meanwhile, oh. Dominic really slowed down the tempo of it to sort of stretch. Yeah. And yeah. as I'm going up, they're like, oh, the trapdoor just opened. So just stay upstairs. 
<laughs> oh my god. The thing is, there's these red lights that let you know, like, once they've disappeared, that the trap door is closed and you can move forward. But yeah. the stage was filled with smoke. <gasps> and I'm just up there and, you know, I've got no book and just, I don't know, I don't have any memory in my brain of what happened when I ran up there. I think I just, I've, I've been trying to keep in my head with what he was playing, where we were at in the song. Yeah. And I think I just tried to pick up, but we had to pick back up because it was really like, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> and we keep doing this a little faster, you know. And then finally, I was so nervous to like walk down, but I, eventually the stage cleared and I had that. But it was funny. And and that's especially funny because the thing that's usually going on is if you're like having a tough day or whatever, you'll let the music director know because there's that's a lot of communication like that. You're constantly working with mm-hmm. the sound guys. And, and if you have a really great sound engineer, they check in with you every day, which is amazing. They're like, are we good? Yeah. You know, what do you need uh-huh. today? You need a little extra love. And uh, you'll know that Elfie's having a tough day if it's like the wizard and I, and the musical conductor goes, do, 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 <laughs> and it's over. Yeah. You just like push through the end. But in this case, it was way slowed down. And I think we eventually found our way back, probably by the Fiero cry. But yeah. um, that was an inter- that was a new one that I had not experienced before. Wait, so how did No Good Deed compare vocally to the other two? Here's the thing, right? It's like, it's either great because you're more warmed up than you'll ever be, uh-huh. but also you mm-hmm. might be just too tired to do So it. yeah, I think that if No Good Deed was the second big song in the show, if it fell where Divine Gravity did, I feel mm. like that's where I was always the most warmed up. You're the most primed. You're the most, you still got energy, you know? Yeah. And it's all about pacing. It's like, well, how much do I want to do in this? How, how much do I want to give? And it, it really honestly depends, too, on a two-show day. It really is. I mean, it's almost like my second act yeah. of my first show, my first act of my second show. That was the sweet spot, baby. Like, it <laughs> oh, was like, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> I love it's that. like, well, diminishing returns by the time we get to Saturday night. It's like, that should be the best. But <laughs> now, I don't think on the outside it was showing that. But in your head, you're just like, Peter. Ugh, okay, here we go. Yeah, I think it's just the nature of that it is the last big number. And also, it's that thing, right, when you know you only have, like, two miles left to go and all of a sudden your body's like no I can't do it mm-hmm. yeah. um, and maybe something just clicked for me because you also just find ways your body likes to sing it you find things that you like to do better and I think that just happened for me mm-hmm. vowels change and you know that so that mm-hmm. you're not like thinking about one single vowel and one single note for the entire show which would happen you know in the beginning yeah which is like oh I didn't nail that I didn't nail that and then you cut to the tour where like I was in Salt Lake City and we were there for like six weeks and almost everybody had this terrible reaction to just the pollen in the air and, and, and everyone mm-hmm. had crud and uh, it happened to me like later in the run. And there was just one day when I was doing no good deed and we just out of nowhere, I was like, no good deed. Will I do it? And it just was gone because something just came there. I just went, do, you know, and, and I would have been apoplectic, you know, on Broadway. I've been like, Oh Broadway. my God, I did that, you know? Yeah. And then, I got off there and I was like, well, that was, that happened. And the sound guy was like, that was interesting. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. It was not going to happen unless I cleared my throat. Yeah. And yeah. it's become so much less precious, not to say it's not professional, not to say yeah. you still don't care. You, you manage it like you do anything, you know? Right. But it's so interesting to hear you talk about like Broadway and tour and just how you were in a different mental space and a different headspace and how that just yes. completely changed your experience. Completely. And, and listen, like there were times, I mean, I remember in Sacramento, I got this terrible cough. I had to be on vocal rest for, I think I missed like the whole last week. It sucked. I mean, it never, my husband used to say, I don't know what's worse is being with you after you've done a show that you thought you shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. Or being with you on the couch when the show is happening and you're thinking you should have done it. It's just, it's it's a lose-lose. Like, yeah. I never handled it well. It was like, I never wanted to miss. I never wanted to 
That's that's not that's just not me. That's everyone. Every, it's a humanity. You, know, you yeah. don't want to miss. You don't want to. The decision to call out felt huge every single time. You know, I never got used to it. Mm-hmm. And for San Diego, which was right after Sacramento, I remember they were like, "Well, how do you feel like that?" Because I was on a lot of antibiotics and all this stuff. Like, how do you feel about doing just like the opening so we can get a review and like your, you know, the the original the cast of the tour yeah. will, will be on record as opening there. And I was like, "Yeah, that's fine." And I mean, I barely remember that show. I mean, I, I remember showing up. My dresser was incredible. I was just like, hi, nice to meet you. I am on a lot of van, but I am so tired. I am going to just try to get through the show. And I just kind of, I did what I had to do. And then I took like two more nights off and then that was it. Yeah. But, um, but I remember that was a whole moment of just like, yeah, it's, it's just, that's all mental. It's just like, well, I can, you did it. If I didn't feel like I really could vocally do it, I wouldn't have, it was uh-huh. just, it right, was just right. uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. And again, like I said, I was lucky. I really didn't have many things other than one time my neck, my neck was the biggest issue. Uh, cause I mean, just the book everyone has talked about it is so unnecessarily heavy. <laughs> and I mean, this is all said with love. Uh, everybody, I love Wicked. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone at Wicked, I love Wicked. We all um, love Wicked. But it's and heavy. And the room is heavy and there's just a lot of heavy stuff during Defy Gravity and it just pulled on my neck. And I'd never taken a muscle relaxer before and I took it that afternoon. I went to a different ENT. I felt fine until I stood up. And by then it was like time to pretty much go because I was living like across the street from the Gershwin at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just not until sometimes you get out on stage and those lights hit you that you're like, whoa. <laughs> and I, it was, sh- and the thing is I didn't even feel like I had control over my actual voice. Like everything was so relaxed. Mm, and uh-huh. I, I just came off stage and I was just like, I think I'm in trouble. This is, I don't feel right. And, and again, people would keep on saying, oh, you'll have to, you know, go out mid-show sometimes. Yeah. It's like, that's crazy. It's never going to happen. I don't know a single girl that hasn't happened to. Sure. And, yeah. and I'm sure there are some. Yeah. And it's a bizarre feeling and no one really wants to do that. Someone like you tell the stage managers, I'm not doing well. They're like, you sound great. You know, no, right. you're fine. No, it's good. And Jenny Denoy, who's a gem of a legend, being, um, a legend. She's literally a legend. And I adore her. And it's so funny because they got her ready in seven minutes. And I was sexually attracted to my green team because that was like, that's impressive. My God. And I actually saw Jenny as I was, because she'd have been called, but I still had to do a couple more scenes. And the reason why I had determined it was time to go was that um, we were doing the transition in the Oz Dust Ballroom where Alfie and uh, Glinda come out. And we're supposed to run downstage because all the dancers come in. I just started, like, apparently wandering upstage. And Glinda was like, hey. uh, Allie was like, hey, buddy, hey, hey we're going to go down here now. And I was like, I need help. I don't, I am not well. I'm not well. Is you drugged up at the Gershwin? Yeah, I was running down the stairs and I saw Jenny running up the stairs. I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, it's okay. It's my job. <laughs> I just felt so terrible. And I had a friend in the audience and I didn't know this. And she uh, always reminds me of it. I feel so terrible. If I had known that, I would have stuck it out. I would have. But it was not safe and I was endangering others and myself yeah. and it's just and you drugged up going up in that cherry picker uh-uh. <laughs> I mean you know Oof. it was just but it was weird because the second you're out I mean you're out it's like they're on to the next girl and you're just like sadly wiping off your green in the shower and the show's still going on it feels so wrong oh. um but she did say it was funny because uh you know she came on I was in popular I was in the scene looking off stage and there she is in her outfit being made up and it's like yeah. Elfman really got a makeover different person <laughs> and i remember being like whoa that's weird i'm here and she's there oh we're both healthy and then we just ships in the night just passed i left and she entered the show and what an unbelievable thing that yeah. understudies and standbys do that they jump they, they just get shot out of a can and it's amazing yeah 
Oh, Nicole, this has been so much fun. Thank you for doing this. Where can people find you online to keep up with Nicole Parker? They can find me. Uh, I'm nfparkergirl78 on Instagram. Ooh. I have a um, podcast called The Neighborhood Listen with Paula Tompkins. It's on Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. It's um, funny, improvised. Yeah, we uh, love show. But oh, you guys know it. Okay. We're fans. Oh, you guys, that's nice. That's so nice. You just never know who listens to anything, right? Yeah, <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm uh, I'm NP Redford on Twitter. But, you know, I don't hang out on there as much. I, yeah. I like the Instagram. Instagram is it. Twitter feels like no good deed on the second show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Nicole. This has been so great. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. And thanks for having me on and keeping theater alive by talking about it and telling stories. It's great. It's a lovely thing. That's all I can do. Thank you. You know something that Nicole does in No Good Deed that I love? Uh, Ooh, give it to me. Is she... So you know, like, the infamous goes unpunished. She, okay. like, does that on the word supply, too. But instead of flipping it up into the mix, she, like, stays on the belt. Ooh, yes, I know what you're talking and it's, about. Yeah. But it's so exciting because that's what you're expecting when she does it the second time. And so then it's, like, ooh, tingles when she flips into the, the ooh, head voice. Ooh, yeah. Mm. I loved hearing about her experience on Broadway compared to her experience on tour and just like that whole journey. Yeah. I'm like, should they always send girls the opposite direction? Well, that's the thing. Like she kept talking about how like she wished she got to tour first before going to Broadway. But I'm like, honestly, girl, like, no. Because first of all, she was stellar on Broadway. Yes. But then it made her tour experience so much more fun. So I'm like, I love that that happened for you. You know what else I loved, Quincy? What did you love? I had never heard somebody kind of like group together the Orange County Alphabas as the Orange County Alphabas. And yeah. I was like, that's kind of a cute little sorority moment. And when she said it, I was like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. There is quite a few. I thought it was interesting that when she finished her Broadway contract, she knew that like she would be going back at some time. Like that wasn't it for her, you know? Oh yeah. Kind of like a, she had a vision, almost like a prophecy. <laughs> she knew. She knew. That was great, Kevin. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so happy that we got to have Nicole Parker on, not only because her experiences were really great to hear about, but she is kind of from that like second stage yeah. of Alphaba. Um, And so it was really cool to hear her experience as somebody who kind of straddled the line of like, this show is new and big and exciting, but also people are starting to get used to this show. Yeah. And it was interesting to hear her kind of reference that because I feel like you and I definitely talk about the timelines of Alphabas. She was in on it. Yeah. (laughs) Like the different eras of Alphabas. But to hear her kind of lump those golden age girls together and yeah. then say that she was part of the next wave. I was like, okay, so we all are on the same page about this. We're timeline. all on the same page. Yeah. I like ran out to talk to Connor just now between the interview and, and right now. And he was like, you guys were laughing so much just now. Very funny. Yes. That Nicole Parker, a funny girl. Some might say, yes. Um, thank you so much for coming on Nicole Parker. I'm so glad we got to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks Nicole. I think it's time. For Kevin's Glinda Corner. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kind of going back to what Jackie Burns says about being wicked is being selfish, then maybe like being the good is being selfless. And I don't think that Glinda really, in, if we're thinking of it in that terms, I don't think Glinda like 
really earns her stripes as being Glinda the good until this scene, because this is the scene where she tells Alphaba, take this moment, go run, go save yourself. And gotcha. then she gives up Fierro too. So she really has like a one-two punch of genuinely thinking about other people. Having to make the like morally correct decision. This is her defying gravity. But I also think what's interesting about this scene is that it's, and it's kind of a nice thing. The whole scene, Fiero is like, Alphaba run, Alphaba run, like go, go, go. And it's when Glinda says, you should go, that Alphaba does it. Ooh, Kevin. You know what else too I always think about? This is like another like thing about the book of Wicked is like, so Elphaba's like running through the cornfield. She's not there to see what happens to Fierro. And so like, I always have this vision when the song starts, when I listen to the cast recording of like, she's running through the cornfield and she hears Glinda yelling and she just like stops because she knows something's happening. Well, your mind, Kevin. My mind. Can you, but isn't that like such a good visual? Like she's like in the middle of nowhere she can't see anything. And she just knows. And she just she hears, hears her going, Fierro! Yeah. And then and she yells it. I think that's definitely the visual that the like creative team was trying to portray. Oh, 100%. I don't mean to imply that like that. No, but it's read. just like the fact that like it took you telling me that. I've never thought of it in that way. I'm like, she's coming up through the trap door. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Guys, next week is the final episode of it season is. one. Of sentimental men. Final episode of season one proper. I think you guys have a lot of ad hoc content coming your way, but mm-hmm. season one proper wraps next week. Quincy, I'm going to put you on the spot oh God. since we're recording this in real time and next week's episode is done already. Ugh. Do you want to give a little hint as to who the guest is next week? This guest played Grizabella in Cats. <laughs> <laughs> I almost just spit water all over this microphone. How dare you? I'm hanging up. I'm so mad at you for that. Next week's episode, really exciting. Something different. It's going to be the first of something on this podcast. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's going to be the first of something. I feel like I really just threw you guys for a loop. So have fun. Okay. Excellent hint giving Quincy. Uh... Everybody who's listening, thanks for listening. Give us a like, give us a rating, give us a subscribe, give Please us all of that. Please leave us a review. Yeah, rate and review. Please. We're begging. We'll see you next week with our first of something Grizabella. First of something Grizabella. <laughs> no more hints. Don't give them three hints. <laughs> no, I, we Enough. gave a second one, though. I can't remember. First of something. Oh, I yeah, said that's... It. <laughs> With our first of something, Grizabella. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night, and thank you. You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. Thanks to Julia DiMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com. Or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. That's S-E-N-T. M-E-N-P-O-D. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. We're both looking amazing. You have your green light on. I have a green light on. I am in no good deed today. I don't know. You have a Wizard Night beanie on.